We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. One of the things I talk about in my book is dropping the D. And what I mean by dropping the D is if you want to talk about shared leadership or distributed leadership, that's not an end goal. That's not a result. You have to just drop the D and share the leadership, distribute the leadership. Just like if we're talking about personalized learning, you know, that's not an outcome. You have to personalize learning, make it actionable. And I think that's my advice for administrators too, is just make these steps actionable. And if you're going to talk about shared leadership, if you believe in it, then do it. Dr. Chris Jones here and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thought thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. As a digital learning coach in Walpole, Massachusetts, Jed Stefanowitz provides job-embedded professional development and instructional coaching for academic technology. Through conferences, workshops, and coaching, Jed aims to engage and build staff and student digital learning capacity, keeping the focus on practice over product. As a 25-year elementary educator, speaker, blogger, and current Massachusetts Teach Plus Policy Fellow, Jed shares his passion for effective tech integration to transform teaching and learning, creating engaging and equitable digital learning environments and experiences that activate, innovate, and motivate digital learning. He is the author of Take Aim at Digital Learning, Activate, Innovate, Motivate. I can't tell the listeners how excited I am to have Jed on. I've I've been in a couple meetings with him before. I say a couple, it's more like a few because it's three or more on, you know, our our Innovators Lounge and things like that. So Jed, welcome and thank you for being on the show. Thanks. Uh, I'm, I'm more excited than you are. I appreciate the invitation and it's been great getting to know you through our meetings, but this is a, a unique opportunity. So I appreciate the invitation. Uh, pleasure's all mine. Let's, let's jump right in, right? Because you have a new book out, which is super exciting. And I mentioned it in, in the short bio I just read, but take aim at digital learning, activate, innovate, and motivate. Why don't you help the listeners out? Tell them what your main point of this book is why it's important. Why did you write it? Sure. Well, the shortest answer is this is the book I wish I read when I was a new teacher. And the idea of digital learning, and I I really try to distinguish between tech integration and digital learning. So the focus is on learning and students and not about tech and tools, right? The idea for me of what brings digital learning to life is that intersection of activating content, innovating instruction, 
and motivating learners. So for me, that it's always three, right? And right, I'm looking at you on the screen while we're talking, even though this is audio. But your aim of supporting, engaging, and empower learners, it's kind of the similar intersection of those three pieces. So when I think about digital learning, I think about activating, innovating, motivating. Those aren't tech-specific. It just happens to be that this book is how to leverage technology and ed tech tools for that purpose. That's awesome. I So what that makes me think about is the, the middle one, right? Activating, innovating, and motivating, the innovating piece. Now, when we talk about innovating, sometimes people slide into the idea that it's got to be something crazy, wild, different. And people sometimes fall into that trap of tech being shiny new things. But honestly, isn't innovating just finding a more efficient, more effective different way to do something rather than the old way we did it. So how does tech play into that in the classroom? Yeah, the old way of doing it, right? And we've we've seen the graphic and we've probably each used the graphic in workshops where you see rows, cemetery rows of students <laughs> with laptops saying, you know, this isn't innovation. One-to-one isn't innovation. Innovation is new and better by definition. So, you know, in the past couple of years, everybody was forced to innovate. In that sense, the pandemic has been a big equalizer because we were all suddenly, you know, not in the same boat, we were in the same storm. And I don't know who said that, but it was it's probably the most apt thing I've heard. We weren't all in the same boat. We were in the same storm with totally different levels of preparedness, comfort, interest, passion. So innovation, everyone had to innovate. Everyone had to survive. Everyone had to find new ways of doing. And here's the thing. You had a lot of veteran teachers Uh, finding new ways to do what they really knew how to do well already. You had some struggling new teachers, I think. And I wonder if you see that as an administrator who they may have been really comfortable, you know, tech savvy, digital natives, right? But didn't have 20 years of teaching experience to fall back on how to pivot to a different way of teaching something they knew how to do in their bones. So in that sense, the innovation piece is rethinking and redesigning reimagining the things we've always done, like you said. So it's interesting that you brought up the difference between veteran teachers and new, you know, digital native teachers, because that was something that we talked about as administrators. And I had quite a few conversations, you know, as the the pandemic hit that it's going to be uncomfortable for the newer teachers. And I use the idea because they're used to moving around the classroom, changing through flexible seating, stuff like that where now they can't, right? Because we had to measure desks. I've never measured so many desk spaces in my life before. Walking around with a broom handle? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, um, and and the teachers that were using the rows that we had been pushing to get out of the rows, they might've felt a little more comfortable, but you brought up something really important. The idea of being able to fall back on different skills or techniques or abilities or having that larger toolbox. How is it that, Leaders can help teachers with that and support teachers in being able to deepen their toolbox or discover that their toolbox might be a little deeper than they originally thought. Uh, I think taking an empathic approach to both the veteran teacher who may, you know, who may feel like a dinosaur or a brand new teacher who feels maybe really well equipped with technology, but really has an unfair expectation to be able to leverage that knowledge base. And I think building bridges between those two, building well-structured teams that can support and appreciate each other is really critical. I think there's an unfair expectation on new teachers uh, to be able to 
applying technology and incorporate and integrate tech effectively just because they've grown up with a phone in their hands. I mean, it's such a it's such an unfair expectation, just like it's an unfair expectation for someone who hasn't been comfortable with technology to suddenly shift something they've done really well for 20 years. And listen, I was in that same boat. I pulled the same folders out of my drawer for 20 years and it took me, I'm a, I'm a creature of habit, self-admittedly. So for me, breaking and innovating wasn't always an easy transition. So I think taking that empathic approach, building those connections between those people, and then leaning on the strengths, regardless of if they're a veteran teacher or a new teacher, you find those pockets, you find those innovators in your building, especially the risk takers, and you build a culture that supports risk taking. And those are the success stories through the pandemic, is those who are able to take risks, those who are able to innovate and find ways of solving problems we didn't know we had. And that just kind of faced us every single day, whether it was, you know, spacing out desks or delivering books to home, or, you know, all of us learning that video conferencing can be a powerful tool, or it can be a really uncomfortable way to be teaching kids as they crawl around their beds. You, um, you know, you really hit on something that uh, I think we all know, but some of us are shy to admit, is that um, it really falls back to it was about culture yesterday, it's about culture today, and it's going to be about culture tomorrow. Because when the pandemic hit, the districts that were able to pivot, and I hesitate to say this because it's not about a competition, because everybody's got different resources and things like that. But the districts that had already built that culture of risk-taking were able to pivot quicker than the districts that had not, or the schools that had not. And it's not that the pandemic created that, I think the pandemic showed that in some of the ways that, you know, we, we work with teachers and even the ways teachers work with students, which showed up, I think, in engagement between different classes and teachers. And yeah, it created opportunities for creative solutions too and creative problem solving. And if you have a culture that supports the risk-taking, but also encourages collaboration among staff and encourages um, creative problem solving, I think you have a much better chance of just of survival, I mean, to put it in in an extreme way, but then really finding ways because this wasn't quick, right? It was longer than we expected and it was worse than we expected, but there are some success stories and there are, you know, things to learn and there are skills, real strong skills that were grown and enhanced and capacity building across everyone, students, staff, teachers, administrators. Uh, And I think it's important to always kind of think about that capacity piece because, and I, I use a phrase from Gene Tower and Needham, when it comes to coaching, you know, in my role especially, stick to the ABCs, always build capacity. And it really comes back to that. It's, are we always remembering, you know, that we're talking about kids, we're talking about student learning, or we're talking about finding ways to support student learning and build their capacity. And sometimes it is technology, sometimes it isn't technology. But finding a culture that values that collaboration. And that's the difference between the culture and climate, right? Is the culture is really deeply uh, entrenched and climate may just be the way that people are feeling at the moment rather than the way things have always been done. So, I mean, we just, we just said all that about innovation, but I, I definitely want to, um, I want to hit other parts of your, your book as well, because I think this has to do with climate and culture. I think this is, you, you kind of hit a good, a good segue because you have the deep-seated culture, but if climate continues in a certain direction, well, then that affects the culture, obviously. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about the Activate 
portion of those three steps in your book and what a reader can really take away from or a leader can really take away from reading through that activate part. Uh, I would I would have you think back to when you were in third grade, when you were in fifth grade. What were the things that you remember? And the things that you remember and I remember were probably things that were moments. And when I say activate, activating content, I'm not talking about just finding ways to do math by whipping things around the room or even programming robots. I'm talking about a structured moment that you have cultivated and created. Uh, and those because those moments, what they really create our experiences and a really well-structured moment. One of the things I talk about in my book is this idea of combustible classrooms. And I found administrators don't like that term combustible classrooms <laughs> and nor do the fire marshals. Yeah. <laughs> what it's built from is the idea of the fire triangle, right? You've got air, fuel, and ignition spark. So the air is this, the culture. The air is literally the air kids breathe, giving them the room to breathe, whether it's through flexible environments or seating or groups or the, the feel and the vibe and the mojo of the classroom. And the fuel is the curriculum. Fuel is what you're doing, either what you have to do, what you choose to do, what's, what's on for the day. But then the ignition, the spark, that's the moment. And that's what we're talking about. For me, that moment is the intersection of three things, uh, something that's memorable, meaningful, and measurable. And we can talk, you know, think back to when we were early teachers. When you have that lesson, that that's kind of the sweet spot. When you have that lesson that is meaningful for you and kids, and you know it when it happens. Every, every teacher knows that. When you have that moment that's meaningful and memorable, but it's also measurable, that's when you say, oh, I wish this would have been a great observation. Or you put a note on the folder and you say, you know, break this into two sessions next year. And you start writing yourself notes on how you want to capitalize on it or do it again when kids ask to do it again. So, you know, those are the moments. That to me is what activating content looks like and what it sounds like it may be loud right loud classrooms are not unruly uh, unstructured classrooms necessarily um, that's an adventurous classroom that's what Ann Kaufman Frederick calls the choreography of a classroom one of my favorite phrases because you know it when you walk in a room you feel you know when you visit classrooms you know the choreography of a classroom and an active classroom can be an awesome thing I love active classrooms. Look, learning's messy. It's not meant to be linear. It's not meant to be necessarily quiet. But learning is is something that when we're collaborating and being actively engaged in what we're doing is by by default often noisy and messy. So, no, I I love classrooms that are alive when I walk in and you know, people are doing different things or talking and and going back and forth and things like that. It's actually kind of odd. I, it's funny, my, my, uh, my teachers in the building laugh because if I walk into their room and the students are quiet, and this is about 99% of my teachers and the students are quiet, I leave. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not interested in this. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm so, much more, yeah, I'm much more comfortable in a little bit of uh, good, good movement, good noise, good working volume as we call it. Right. I, yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned that the, the idea of the fire triangle and how you need the, the fuel, the air and the ignition. And I, I wonder if for the listeners, you could, you could back that out to bigger picture a little bit. So you do this with students, right? And you, you reference specifically a lesson and, and everything. How can leaders activate teachers in their building? 
by using that same principle? I think prioritizing experiences, showcasing moments, highlighting events that memorialize student learning. Uh, It doesn't have to be a show-off way, and it doesn't have to be a way of putting one person on a pedestal or making another person feel critical. But explicitly maybe talking about why are, what are these worksheets all about? Trying to break out of, you know, I think if an administrator really celebrates and gets him or herself involved in the activity, it's contagious. And it spreads a message of risk-taking. It spreads a message of prioritizing active learning. Like you said, you know, if there's a quiet room, you move on. And I think teachers probably pick up on that and feel more encouraged to have active classrooms. But I think also, I mean, it could be a matter of pulling in PD. It could be a matter of having a lesson that an administrator really values, not because it's, uh, you know, particularly hitting a number of standards, but they, if you recognize a moment and then you ask that staff person to share it at a staff meeting, there's power in that. And that's really targeting and it really empowers, to touch on one of your, your three pillars, it's empowering that teacher as a teacher leader. And I think administrators forget how powerful that can be when they're just asked to share something that, they, that has worked well, kind of share their why and then share their how. This, that's how coaches are made. That's how leaders are made. That's awesome. I love the idea that you bring up, you know, highlighting what they're doing and giving them a chance to share. And that runs true throughout the classroom, right? When you do that with students, Um, if students, you know, students do something really well and you ask them to share it and they suddenly feel a little bit more of an expert than everybody else in the classroom. And it's not age specific whatsoever, right? Everyone wants to, to, to be acknowledged and recognized and also feel like what they, who they are and what they have to offer has value. Absolutely. So talk to me about, the motivate aspect, right? We've, we've, we've hit the activate, we've hit the innovate and now the motivate because with all of this stuff, I mean, it it almost seems to me that the activate is me working to activate somebody. Then maybe me working on innovation stuff, the motivate. It's so important to be internally motivated to do things, which is much more powerful than externally motivated Talk to the listeners about what they would take out of or what you want them to take out of the motivate aspect of your book. That might be the hardest one of all. It was probably the hardest to write about. I think it's the hardest to bottle and package. (laughs) My vendors can't do it. Um, And I think it is the hardest to see this year. I think this year where so many teachers are saying and explaining that this has been their hardest year I don't believe it's about learning loss. I think learning loss is a vendor's favorite term to sell their product, to fill in a particular gap. And I don't mean to suggest there aren't skills that have lagged. But what I do think is I don't hear teachers commiserating with each other about learning loss. I hear teachers commiserating with each other about kids who who started this year not knowing how to do school, not knowing how to share the same space, not knowing the routines and rituals of what makes school so awesome. And teachers who really feel like they have just, they're struggling to fall back in love with the job that they've grown to hate for the past two years. So the motivation piece for me is for teachers, for students, it's really for 
every all of us in the building and sometimes closing those doors and feeling like we need to prioritize that motivation piece for me it's not a right it's not a learning loss it's a loss of student agency and agency can be a buzzword but for me agency it's it's those four c's we've been talking about for 20 years but it's actually a different set of four c's so you know, we're 22 years into 21st century learning, and everyone's pretty comfortable with uh, the original set of four C's, communication, collaboration, critical thinking, creativity. We've all built our spaghetti towers. We all value STEM <laughs> lessons, and we all value collaborative moments. Um, but that's not where we are. Post-pandemic, I, I suggest there's a whole new set of four C's, and those are compassion, connection, culture, and climate. We've already talked about culture, climate, these next two of connection and compassion. That's the motivation. That's exactly what you're asking. And those, that's what builds that student agency. That's what builds empowered learners. That's what brings kids back through the door every day and begins to repair some of those connections and it allows teachers to kind of reclaim their joy of learning and teaching. That's awesome. I thought you said you couldn't bottle that and have an answer. <laughs> That sounds pretty close to a bottle answer for me. I should write a book. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe in your spare time or something, you can write a book. That, you know, it, one of the things that stuck out to me when you said that, when you were talking about that, is the loss of student agency and and how important that is. And I, I agree 100% with you, you know, that the 21st century learning skills thing really bothers me because people still talk about it. And I'm like, seriously, you're concentrating on 21st century learning skills and it's 22 years into the 21st right. century. We're, <laughs> right. we're a little behind the eight ball. But the student agency piece, and I know that's kind of a buzzword, but it's so important. What about when you talk about motivation and students having trouble with motivation because of the agency piece? What about teacher agency and how we've gotten away from teacher agency over the past two years? in certain spots because of how rigid we had to get based on pandemic regulations. Any thoughts on how leaders can come back from that? You know, I mean, I mean you, you, you talk to a lot of teachers, you hear a lot of teachers talk, what do they need to get that feeling of agency back? And like, they have some sort of control, right? Because a lack of control creates an uncertainty. And then that's just another reason to be down and unmotivated because what's it matter anyways? How yeah, things have never felt more uncertain than the past couple of years. And we get back, we get back. And for some teachers, you know, trying to reclaim that agency um, has meant close your Chromebooks for two months and has looked like to some of us a rejection of technology and, and maybe rightfully so. And I think part of it has been to get back to doing what they know how to do well, like I said, and why they do it in the first place. And I think everybody was able to kind of withstand knowing that there was, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel. We would back, be back together at some point. But it's pretty interesting. Coming back together, we were no less remote, three feet apart from each other in rows, all facing one direction, than, than we were, you know, face-to-face -face on screens. So, it took a lot more than just being in the same space at the same time. And it's, we're going to be feeling these effects for years. And it's not just because of the routines and rituals. It's because that really has been professionally discouraging 
or traumatic, somewhere in between those two things. And people have left the profession or people have felt like they're not quite sure how to do this job at the moment. Um, And most people I know at some point in the past two years felt like they just stunk as teachers. And and many of us did because it was just the worst way of doing this. It's like that line in the movie Argo, right? This is the best bad idea. I mean, hybrid was just, there was no choice. So when you talk about the rigidity of the regulations, they were also being figured out in real time. So you were asking maximum flexibility, maximum adaptability within really rigid structures. And, oh, and by the way, you're teaching, you know, you have these many faces in front of you and these many faces at home, and we're all out of order, and these are the priorities. So it was nearly, it's been a nearly impossible task, and it's going to take a lot of time to put those pieces back together to build communities in classrooms to really have empowered learners, but also empowered teachers. And I don't envy the job of administrators and teacher leaders. And that's not to say that the administrators are the only leaders. In fact, I think this is probably the time where you see um, the leaders in your building that aren't administrators, right? Uh, People who are kind of reaching beyond their roles and taking on leadership and finding new ideas And hopefully not just saying, okay, let me think back three years ago to this awesome activity. Can I just do it that exact same way again? And maybe finding ways to integrate some of the the skills that we learned during the pandemic. But to get back to your question, because I feel like I'm drifting away from the question. It's a really hard question about getting that teacher agency back. Um, I think it requires administrators to do something they've never been able to do or to have felt particularly skilled at doing either, which is really to share that, share that leadership and share that, that ownership of processes in the building and practices and the routines and rituals. One of the things I talk about in my book is dropping the D. And what I mean by dropping the D is if you want to talk about shared leadership or distributed leadership, that's not an end goal. That's not a result. You have to just drop the D and share the leadership, distribute the leadership. Just like if we're talking about personalized learning, you know, that's not an outcome. You have to personalize learning, make it actionable. And I think that's my advice for administrators too, is just make these steps actionable. And if you're going to talk about shared leadership, if you believe in it, then do it. Share the leadership, share the agenda, share the, share the mic at a presentation. Co, I'm seriously, if if you're doing a workshop at MassQ, Find a, a classroom teacher and suggest that you co-facilitate a staff meeting, a workshop, a presentation. I think it's an amazing, empowering gesture for an administrator to give a classroom teacher, a specialist, uh, anyone in the building, um, that voice. Because it's, it's also a reclaiming voice for educators in the buildings as well. I can't even begin to explain how awesome that last five, seven minutes was. You're saying so much about what needs to be done in schools. It's just, it's fantastic. I, um, what I want to do is I have a question that's going to kind of wrap all this up first, but the first thing I want to do is go quick, quick sponsor break because I don't want to leave this for too long, but, um, we'll be right back after that. Today's podcast is brought to you by better leaders, better schools who put out a great newsletter every Sunday called the weekend resource. 
This newsletter provides incredible value, sharing tremendous leadership resources from across a variety of resources. And I personally love the inspiring quote at the end of each weekend resource because I can use it with my staff. Subscribe by visiting betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash weekend resource. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And we're back with Jed. And, I, you know, I just have to repeat, there was something that was going through my mind besides wow from that last six minutes was the idea that I need to, once this comes out, really go back and listen to that last seven minutes before the break with a with a notebook and a, and a pen. So just really dropping gold. It makes me think, and I need to know the answer to this now, because we've talked about the activate, innovate, and motivate aspect of the book that you have out. And if a school has done a book study, they've really accepted it. They are now living, take aim, activate, innovate, motivate. What does that school look like when you walk into it? What does that school feel like as you walk around it? Well, that's a distinction, right? What does it look like and what does it feel like? Because hopefully you feel it. If you don't feel it in the hallways, if you don't feel it, if you eavesdrop in a classroom, I think that also says something. You should be able to look at the walls. You should be able to see student work that isn't just 20 worksheets that all look the same on bulletin boards. You should see, you know, if it's, and maybe it's bulletin boards. I don't mean to suggest we need to have TVs lining the halls, but if you do have TVs lining the halls or if you do have bulletin boards, whatever the delivery is, that you don't see 20 of the same thing. You see one item that might be messy. You might see another that looks completely different. You see student voice in their work. You see student creativity. And that doesn't look like 20 recipes that all get to the same result. That looks like students' ideas, thinking, creativity, being celebrated, and really being showcased in totally different ways. My goal, of course, would be to find really innovative ed tech ways of capturing that um, so that you don't end up turning a magical moment into a writing assignment just because you need it printed or it needs to be put on the bulletin board. Some of the best moments of all can just be captured right on film. You know, giving, giving students capability, whether it's an iPad in their hands or just a record to slides extension on their computer or opportunities to stand up in front of their classroom, ways to really uh, showcase their thinking, right? That's awesome. I, you know, it would be so interesting. I think about like if you team with your local cable access company, they typically have cable kits or they have camera kits that you can put in students' hands to go around the school and see the different things that are going on. It makes me think of like cell phone policies that schools have and everything. If you're, you know, if you're in a classroom and a student 
is more engaged by using those things and you just let them use them and then you use that as an assessment instead of, you know, writing and things like that. You want to hear students' voices, ask them to, to make a tutorial. Our kids go home and watch tutorials on YouTube nonstop. And this is no different from the how-to videos or how-to writing that we're asking them to do. It's no different from, you know, the procedural writing that you and I did when we were in school. But if you want to hear a different student-engaged voice, turn on that camera and suddenly they pop to life. Hey, it's Ashley. Today I'm going to show you how to do a fishtail braid. Or I'm going to show you how to beat this level in this particular game. Students know what a good tutorial looks like. They know what a good video looks like. And I'm not joking that you will actually hear a different voice because you're providing an authentic audience. If the audience is just the classroom teacher who's correcting a worksheet, talk about an empty, uh, it's a transaction, right? When did school become transactional? When you have students really producing a podcast, a video, a commercial for a real audience, you're talking digital citizenship, ramp it up. Instead of, you know, third graders making a poster on the wall or making what would you make for an advertisement in a magazine, have them really do it. Have them record a Flipgrid. Have them record, um, or if they want to make a poster, make a poster, but then do something with it. Put it on your TVs. Put it on your cable channel. Put it on um, a video podcast that you send home. Distribute it. Share it. Right? Publishing. That's been one of my biggest pushes has been breaking the idea that printing is publishing and publishing is printing. Publishing is making something public, and we have the capability for students to make their own websites, make their own content, shift them from being consumers of content to creators. And that's another phrase we hear a lot. But when you do it, you see it, you see uh, engaged learners, empowered learners, you see that intersection of activation, innovation, and motivation. And you have kids who love to be at school and they're involved in what they're doing. It, it, and you know what you're not doing? You're not tricking them into learning. I always, I always bristle when I hear something, someone say they're learning without even knowing it. That's, that's so condescending and insulting. Kids should know exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it. And if we can make those opportunities real, make a real website, make a real you know, program, a real app, make something that do a real podcast. If I'm going to record something with third graders today, which I did yesterday, they watch me press play. They, they watch me press publish and it's on Spotify and they know it. And they are real content creators. They made a real podcast and they are really engaged in those moments that are meaningful, memorable, and measurable. And that causes them to care, which is engaging. And if, if the students don't care about what they're learning in your class, you have to look at how you're teaching it, I think. And if teachers don't care about what they're doing to the point where they're innovating, then I think that's on the leader to, to see why that is and to fix that issue. Yep. No offense, teachers, but if, if kids don't care, that's not their problem. That's your problem. And no offense, leaders. If teachers don't care, that's not their problem. That's your problem. I right can, on. All right. I can go right with that. Hey, look, you know, we've been talking a while. We're, we're near the end of the podcast. Um, and I, I can't let anybody out for free. So you've got two questions in front of you that I ask every guest before they, before they leave the podcast. Jed, if you weren't an educator, who, not what would you be? It's a very tricky question. 
<laughs> Who, not I'm, what? You got to watch me. I'm sneaky. Every once in a while, I try to sneak something in it. All right. So who, not what? So I can't be a break dancer. I can't be a, uh, a ventriloquist <laughs> to the stars. Uh, I think who would I be is I would be someone searching for where I belong. I think I would be someone who feels like I've got something um, and I'm not sure where I'm supposed to land. I've been fortunate enough in my entire adult life to be in classrooms and be in schools where I belong. Um, and you know it as an educator, as an administrator, it's a different calendar. You know, your, your, New Year's, your New Year's is September 1st, and we live in a different rotation. It's not about having summers off. It's about those cyclical seasons passing around. So that's who I'd be. I think I'd be someone um, probably in the wrong place at the wrong time and not feeling so fulfilled. Good answer. I um I I'd say that's a that's a much better answer than break dancer. Okay. <laughs> the the next question is is really important for um, for all our listeners, and it's you know it's it's what's the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to better support, engage, and empower the teachers. I think that what you are encouraging educators or staff to do, you've got to model it and live it. If you're talking about risk-taking, you got to live it. you got to model it. Modeling it and living it in action creates a culture that will encourage it. I think educators have had to be flexible. I think administrators have been too, but that's, uh, it's way less noticeable because I think there's been such a push to just try to get school back to normal, right? And for better and for worse, we've begun to get back to normal. And I do mean better and for worse. Um, But I think, you know, for all the flexibility and all the adaptability that leaders have had to do, I think modeling it and living it for, for the people they lead is critical. I think some of that flexibility, right? We're all overloaded by those constraints. And one of the last sections of my book, I talk about unboxing that instruction and that goes for leading too. Um, And it's because we've all got our boxes, whether it's curriculum, whether it's deadlines, whether it's budgets, whether it's staffing or whether it's a a worldwide pandemic, (laughs) right? We've all had to, when I talk about unboxing, um, we've all had to think inside the box when we've had to, because there are just a lot of things that are beyond our control. But we need to think outside the box when we can. To take it two steps further, we need to rebuild the box when we're able, when we've got the tools, when we've got the capacity. That means breaking out of routines and structures and status quo. And the hardest of all is recycling the box when it's time. And that's letting go of routines, rituals, practices, that remain unchanged. And if they continue to remain unchanged, actually do some harm. So I think those ideas are, for me, um, build a culture, build leadership that includes uh, those whom they lead and does what you're asking, which is to support, engage, and empower individuals. Jed, I couldn't be happier to have spoken to you um, and that you agreed to come on this podcast. Just some of the things you're saying are so poignant and so 
important. Look, I can't, I can't say it enough. Anybody listening to this or anybody anywhere that has a friend that maybe didn't listen to this, first tell them to listen, but also more importantly, tell them to pick up a copy of Take Aim at Digital Learning, Activate, Innovate, Motivate, and Jed also blogs. So once you read his book, you can go check out some smaller portions of stuff he's putting out there. And I believe, Jed, it's uh, Stefanowitz class at blogspot.com. It's, yeah, it's absolutely that. And you just happen to have that on the tip of your head. Thank I you. just I happen to have that. It's not, honestly, it's not written down next to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, Take Aim at Digital Learning, available now at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and your grocer's freezer. <laughs> there you go. You know, Jed, if, uh, if people want to get in touch with you, how, how can they get in touch with you? If they want to learn more about your book, uh, they want to hear more about all of these great things that you're talking about. Uh, yeah, grab the book, uh, find the blog, or find me on Twitter at Stefanowitz135. So I appreciate the uh, invitation to be here. I appreciate the questions. Uh, and the listening too. It's not just, it's a very comfortable conversation. Chris, you do it really well uh, because this is a very natural flow. You promised it would be and it was. So uh, I really appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you very much. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Hey, all you visionary leaders. I just had to add this one last piece after talking with Jed um, and having a fantastic conversation about all the things he's working on and doing and, and the beliefs he has. He's also offering quite a few workshops this summer that would be really helpful if you want to further your skills in the area of AIM, right? Right. Named right after his book, um, Take AIM at Digital Learning, Activate, Innovate, and Motivate. He's doing personally an AIM three-day virtual workshop in June or August, an in-person one-day coding slash robotics workshop in Mashpee and followed by an augmented reality one-day in-person workshop in Millbury. So, hey, look, these are some great opportunities. I know on a podcast, after listening to all that, it might be taking you a little much to write stuff down or listen. So check this out. I know I mentioned his blog, Stefanowitz Class uh, at blogspot.com, but if you want to learn more about these workshops, there you can find them all at edtechteacher.org slash summer. That's edtechteacher.org slash summer. Great opportunity, great learning. Jed's a really good guy, as you can tell, to uh, learn from. So, hey, take advantage of those, and I hope you have a, a great day. Thanks. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? 
you need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.